Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives! Most crooks steal valuables. But I once had a case of a gang that seemed to be stealing empty freight cars. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. Believe me, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. If there's anything worse than not enough evidence, it's too much evidence. Wilbur Norris, first vice president of the Great Valley Railroad, walked across a couple of tracks and motioned to me to follow him. Finest freight terminal in this part of the country, Browning. Be careful of that switch. I stepped over the switch and followed Norris. It was late afternoon and I was cold. Is there some trouble in the yards, Mr. Norris? Norris gnawed at his lower lip. Browning, to you this looks like confusion. All these freight cars for maybe 50 different railroads, doesn't it? To tell you the truth, Mr. Norris, I don't think about it at all. Norris gripped my arm. I want you to think about it, Browning. Every one of those cars, no matter what railroad it may belong to, is accounted for every day. Freight conductors of every road report where cars are daily on a ticket. The ticket goes to the road's home office, the home office forwards it to the proper railroad that owns the car, and we have a machine that sorts tickets automatically. Absolutely no possibility of error. That's fine, Mr. Norris. What about it? Norris ignored me. You take 50 typical cars, Browning. Might be in 20 states and Canada. Some of them empty, some loaded. You'd think those 50 cars would have absolutely nothing in common, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess I would. But you're wrong. They have this in common. They've all been stolen. It's impossible to lose 50 freight cars, but we seem to have managed it. Find them. After proving that freight cars can't possibly go astray, the vice president of the Great Valley admitted losing 50 of them. The freight cars, some empty, some loaded, had been lost for periods ranging from 10 to 90 days. I had my choice of looking for them in 20 different states and Canada. Most of the cars were lost one at a time, it seemed, but one group of four cars loaded with grapefruit was last heard of in Tennessee. And I decided to follow them up first. I had luck right from the start. Four Great Valley cars of grapefruit. One car had a bad truck. Held us up for half a day. Oh, I remember. We got a rear out order for those cars. Sent them on to Mullenville. Using Mullenville as a base, I checked every railroad siding for 50 miles around and found the four cars undamaged. The perishable cargo completely ruined, but untouched. That took me exactly eight days. Now, all I had to do was locate 46 other cars. Riding back to town, I did a lot of thinking. I'd been lucky with those first four cars. I could see myself spending the next two years looking for the rest of them. Unless I tackled the job some other way. At the Great Valley's freight office, the routing clerk, George Powell, was very proud of the sorting machine. This baby can handle up to 5,000 freight tickets a day. Does it ever make a mistake, chew up a ticket and swallow it? Don't be funny, mister. This machine is better than human. It never gets tired. If you feed it a ticket, it sorts it. If you feed it a ticket, that's where the trouble lay. 
Somebody, someplace, somehow, had diverted freight tickets of certain cars so that no record of them existed. Even more, that same person had sent out new orders rerouting those cars to destinations other than the original. That same day, two more cars, empties, were located accidentally at a way station in Wyoming. Why would anybody go to the trouble and risk of stealing freight tickets and rerouting loaded and empty cars and then not touch the cars? I had a theory now that all the cars would be found within 50 miles of their original intended destination. Hey, you're right, Mr. Browning. Here's two Great Valley flat cars loaded with lumber. Ain't been touched. How'd you figure they'd be around here? Because you can't make a car disappear by stealing just one day's freight ticket on it. Unless you send the car someplace where it'll arrive in one day or less. So that you don't have to worry about any more tickets on that car showing up. Okay, let's go. Using that system, looking for a car near its intended destination, I found over 37 in the next two weeks. Half of those I found were empties, cars that had no cargo in them at the time they were lost. And that gave me my next idea. It took plenty of work to find the waybills on all those cars, but I finally located all of them. And what I found was one empty car that had not been empty when it started out. That had started loaded with a cargo of teddy bears imported from Europe. That cargo of toy animals came in on the SS Lanza from Europe, consigned to Lawson Brothers Toy Company in Chicago. The customs inspector gave me a queer look. And you say that nobody's ever complained about this particular cargo having been lost in your railroad? That's right. The inspector nodded. I think this requires federal investigation, Mr. Browning. The federal man came over to the desk. Browning? You've stumbled over a scheme whereby close to $5 million worth of stolen jewels were smuggled into this country, sewn inside those toy animals. We think we know who initiated the shipment on the European end, but not what happened to it after it arrived. Could you possibly arrange for another such smuggled shipment? Start the word going in Europe so that the gang over here would start to operate again? The federal man smiled at me. Browning, that was my idea exactly. was stuffy in the freight car, and not easy riding. I'd been in it for two days, and I had three federal men and six thousand dolls for company. At the end of the second day, the train conductor stuck his head in the door. Excuse me, don't get nervous. Got a reroute order on this car, just received it. Instead of St. Louis, it goes to Wayland Junction, 60 miles away. Okay, rerouted as instructed. Our car was shunted to a siding at Wayland Junction the next morning. And about three hours later... Don't anybody move if he doesn't want to be shot! We captured five of them, and one man was George Powell, the Great Valley's freight routing clerk. Before the day was over, federal men picked up seven others in the gang, including two more freight office employees. A gang was one of the cleverest smuggling schemes ever thought up a gang that was willing to send 49 freight cars wandering around the country to reroute just one car loaded with their own merchandise. I reported back to Mr. Norris the next day. I've located all those missing cars, Mr. Norris. Norris glanced up from a railroading magazine. He looked annoyed at having been interrupted. Well, to me. Well, it took you so long. That's all, Browning, for now. And that was all. 
Like I said, the more you've got to work with, the tougher the case generally is. <laughs> 